1: You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. You are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. So now they take our little boy And they put them in a uh, like a plastic little crib, like a tub on top of a wheelie cart. They wouldn't let me carry it or my wife carry it. That could be dangerous. And they put her in a wheelchair. And so they move us down into like the family recovery area and they put us in a room. And so we're sitting there, and they uh, bring her this crappy hospital breakfast. It's like a prison breakfast. <laughs> and she's like, I can't eat this. Can you get me something else? And I said, listen, I'll get you whatever you want, but I need to know 100% that was called off, and they're not going to try to come and take him away. Uh, like if his temperature goes up or something. So Rebecca, the nurse, tells us he's safe. NICU isn't going to come and take him. The pediatrician's going to keep an eye as she takes his vitals. They're going to go down um, to, uh, you know, to the uh, pediatrician and that everything should be fine. And so now Maggie's recovering. She's starting to get up on her feet. The epidural's wearing off. Uh, And so I just want to make sure everything's okay. And so I said, all right, listen, I'll go uh, home. I've got to bring the placenta home because it's on ice. All right. I don't want this placenta rotting. I will do the print and I will take the photographs of it and then I'll put it in the freezer because what we're going to do when we get our property um, obviously we won't be able to do it at the one in Poland because they're not gonna let me travel with a placenta. But if they get this property in West Virginia in the next couple of years, we'll dig a hole in the ground and plant a tree with it. So which some people do. So I said, let me go do that, and then I'm gonna pick you up. Um sumitra which is our favorite thai restaurant in frederick oh man fantastic restaurant you gotta have their fantasia duck folks or their duck wrap or their chai dumplings their drunken noodles their um, soups are all amazing so i said they open at 10 o'clock i will get that and i'll bring that back here and then we'll figure out what we're going to do, and we'll see what the doctors say. So I said, but you have to promise me, Maggie, because now she's calmed down, the drugs wore off, she's totally fine. I said, you have to promise me, honey, that if they come in here and try to take them, you call, him, um, call me immediately, immediately, and do not let them take our child away. She said, no, I understand, I will do that. I said, all right. I am going to leave. I did not want to leave, folks. I did not want to leave. So I left, okay? And I uh, went home and... I took this placenta out I swear in normal circumstances I'd be a little freaked out but it came out of my wife and it wasn't weird at all and I lay it down on uh, some watercolor paper and I do a couple of prints with it and then I line it up I take the umbilical cord it wasn't real long he cut it kind of short and I make it into a heart shape which is kind of what she wanted and I take some nice photographs of it I talk to my father tell him everything is okay uh, yeah and actually earlier in the night, I forgot to say that, I finally, once I knew that Maggie was going to be okay and the baby was going to be okay I called my mother and I said can you call everyone in the family and let them know everything's okay because I know everyone's worried so I got that out of the way so anyway I called my father told him everything was great I called Maria Albanese I think in there because she's always there to support me Uh, she's one of the best friends anyone could ever have in this world Uh, really amazing woman Um, She just actually ordered something for William, a little swing, uh, type of swing chair that she's having sent here. And she has all the homeschool curriculum that her kids used that she is going to give us. So this spring, we're going to take a road trip down to Florida and visit her so William can meet his Auntie Maria and her family. Auntie Maria and Uncle Nick. William says hi. So uh, anyway, I, I get this done at the house. And then I go to Sumitra, I pick up the uh, Thai food, Maggie calls me and she tells me, hey, you know, the doctor, the pediatrician came in, he said he wants William to stay here till seven o'clock in the morning, at least, but then he changes shifts and he can't guarantee that the next pediatrician isn't going to want to keep him there longer. I'm feeling good. I'm getting up and going to the bathroom by myself. You know, bleeding is very minimum. Uh, I feel totally fine. I I think maybe I want to get out of here. And I said, all right, listen, stay put. I'm going to be back. I'm going to get the food. And so I go get the food. I go back to the hospital, back into COVID land, the uh, high school theater production uh, with my little mask on that I tore a hole in, by the way, I was walking around the hallway with the mouth torn out of this thing. And no one said a word to me. It was a complete and total joke. So I go back to the family center in this room. They had us quarantined too with the tape all over the doors because we wouldn't do the uh, COVID testing. So at this point, I think it was uh, Maggie said to me, I didn't want to tell you this last night because you were kind of mad and I didn't want you to get in a fight with anybody. But they sent a nurse in when you were out of the room and asked how things were at home sort of implying that I abused her and she was some sort of a uh, Polish mail-order bride uh, right after the situation happened where I told them we weren't taking the COVID testing. And they were asking her about that, why he wouldn't let you take a COVID test, as if I was some kind of abuser. And they said, well, he answers all the questions. And she said, well, he speaks for both of us, like we had a plan. So this is the part of where they try to split up families and turn people against each other. And then If they can get the spouse out of the room, whether that be the husband or the wife, say your husband's in there for surgery and he's a little loopy and then they get you, the wife, thrown out of the room, they could put all kinds of drugs into him because he's going to nod his head, oh yeah, give me the double uh, Motrin, give me this, give me the morphine, because he has no idea what's going on. Same thing they were going to try to do to her. They tried offering her at least four or five other drugs. Like there was one point when she had nausea and she puked and that was just because I think the infection she couldn't hold anything down they said oh do you want uh, this drug for nausea it might cause a little headache so we can give you this drug and then as soon as the epidurals coming down they said oh you might get a headache from that we can give you these drugs to counteract that right so you'll start piling drugs on top of drugs on top of drugs folks this is just how these people work they're drug dealers and so Anyway, I get back to the hospital. I set up all the food. I bought like $75 worth of Thai food. I laid out a whole spread, all her favorite things from the restaurant. And uh, we sat there. And ate all this food while William was taking a nap. And it was just, uh, it was beautiful. So Rebecca comes back in the room. And I said, hey, Rebecca, I think we want to get out of here. And Rebecca says to us, well, that would not be advised. And I said, well, what does that mean? And she said, well, if you leave outside of the doctor's orders, your insurance company most likely won't pay the bill for this visit i said oh really that's funny because i read that before and it's not true and she said oh oh, as far as we know that's true i said all right well let me talk to the doctors and she said well dr simmons wants to hold maggie here for a couple of days and i said well why is something wrong Because now they don't have Maggie hooked up to any machines. They don't have her hooked up to blood pressure machine or blood oxygen machine. Nothing, right? So I said, well, what's wrong? Oh, I I don't know. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then Dr. uh, I think it was uh, Feinstein, the pediatrician, wants to hold William. Till at least 7 in the morning, but maybe a couple of days, right? So I said, "Uh, no, I don't think so. I said, why don't you get the doctors here so I could talk to them? She said, well, they're not going to come here and talk to you. I said, well, then there's clearly no emergency. I said, can you get them on the phone for me? So she says, okay. So she calls doctor. Now, I was well aware of this situation because I learned it in our birth class with doula. If you start messing around with trying to change the doctor's rules when it comes to your kid, they will threaten to call CPS on you, Child Protective Services. So I was prepared for that. But I was also told that generally they don't do it, okay, unless there's some real medical emergency. Like if they knew that your kid had brain damage and you were trying to run out the door with it, then they would probably call CPS. Now, I will tell you, Uh, When they were transferring us from the hospital room over to the recovery room, they took out this little ankle monitor and strapped it on William, like literally a prison ankle monitor, okay? And then they give you this whole spiel that it's to protect him from getting stolen from people in the hospital i said really you have a problem where like people run into the room and steal the baby from the mom and dad and run away with it and she literally said the nurse said uh oh you'd be surprised i said wow that's amazing like people steal babies and so they put this uh prison ankle monitor on them and so i said no we don't we don't want that that's ridiculous uh at first we didn't really i thought it was like um some kind of a monitor for vitals. And I said, I don't want that on my kid. I don't want that thing on there. And then when she explained that it was for security, like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. Like, this is outrageous. Anyway, I took a look at the thing and I would have been able to cut it off anyway. So, um, I said to myself, well, do I want to put up a fight here? And so at first I started to argue, but then I could see that, you know, Maggie at that time, she was still sort of recovering. So I decided not to pick a fight because I went up and looked at it. I'm like, oh, I could cut that thing off in two seconds. So anyway, we're back in this uh, family recovery room and and, uh, and Rebecca, she gets Dr. Feinstein on the line immediately. Amazing these doctors get on the line when you're ready to leave and cut off the insurance money they're going to make off of you because every day you stay there between the baby and the mom, they're probably raking in at least twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. So I said, uh, hey, uh, Dr. Uh, Feinstein, I think. I'm pretty sure. I said, so Maggie said you want to keep William here till 7? And he said, as well, yes, I'd like to keep him here till 7 in the morning. And then it's a shift change, and the next doctor may uh, want to keep him here longer. I said, okay, well, what's wrong? Because right, you, you have to figure out when to ask the, the questions and what questions. So first you butter him up. Oh, hey, Maggie, said you want to keep him here till 7. That sounds good to me, Doc. Oh, yeah, I do. I do. You know, and then I said, well, what's wrong with him? Well, nothing's wrong with him, but we'd like to monitor him uh, just in case. It's precautionary. I said, okay, precautionary in regards to what? Like, Nick, you already uh, cleared him. GBS isn't an issue. The meconium is not an issue. Well, because of the GBS, we'd like to monitor him a little longer. Okay, well, what happens at 7, Doc, when the next doctor comes in, because it already sounds like a setup, and he says he wants to keep him here for a month? Uh, what's going to happen there? Well, you know, I just can't guarantee the next doctor is going to want to release him. I said, all right, well, I'm going to talk to Dr. Simmons about Maggie's situation. And if you're, he tells me the same thing you tell me about the baby he tells me about her, then we're going to get out of here. He goes, well, I, I advise against that. You know, the insurance company uh, might, might not pay your bill. And I said, okay, yep, I already know that's a lie, but thank you very much, doctor. I will probably never hear from or see you again folks you will hear from me and you will see me again if you're over here at pain.tv slash gold because i will be right back right here on pain.tv slash gold my name is dustin gold and this is the dustin gold standard more listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back from the break. My name is Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.TV slash gold. All right, so now Rebecca gets Dr. Simmons on the phone. Almost immediately, folks. Really, these guys don't mess around. So uh, Dr. Simmons, I go, hey, Doc, now this guy already knew I did not like him, folks. They knew I was trouble there at that hospital. So I said, listen, uh, Maggie uh, said you might want to hold her for like two days or something. He goes, well, yeah, I'm thinking two, three, maybe four days just to keep an eye on her. I said, well... Keep an eye on her. What's wrong? Like, is there anything wrong? And he says to me, you yeah, know, it's precautionary. I said, well, what does that mean, doc? Tell me something like she has blood clots. Tell me something like she has internal bleeding. Tell me something horrible's going on because she's going to the bathroom by herself. Very little bleeding. She's totally fine. She wants to go home with the baby. And he says to me, well, well, look, this isn't your typical home birth all right she just did a vaginal delivery here in the hospital i said okay under the best care right well at home it's by midwives that you don't like so wouldn't that be a worse situation and when you're at home you stay home right you don't go from home and then into the hospital and he goes well listen i think she should stay here i'd like to keep an eye i said well how much do you make per day for keeping her locked here And so he eventually, I said, listen, tell me the truth. Is there a real reason? Give me a medical reason. She needs to be here, and I'll let her stay. Well, you know, I advise you against it. I said, okay, whatever. And he slips in there. Oh, your insurance company might not pay for the visit. I said, this is a total lie. So I hang up with him, but now they've got Maggie a little bit nervous on the insurance thing, right? So I... uh, text my doula, Alyssa. I said, Alyssa, this is what they're saying. She goes, no, that's a lie. It's an old trick. They've been doing that forever. I go online. I do some research. I go on Blue Cross uh, website. I start doing research. Nothing even about that. All right. So I knew, like I said to Maggie, you leaving early saves the insurance company money. All right. The only thing the hospital's doing is one, trying to bilk you for more money. And two, for liability purposes if something happened to you at home and they let you leave but again if it's super dangerous they're going to have a reason and if not they're going to try to restrain you they're going to try to call cps on you with your child and try to get it to stay and say you're an irresponsible parent that's how the system works folks so they didn't even go to that threat which told me there was nothing to worry about so i said to rebecca we're getting out of here Uh, We don't have to worry about the insurance. That's a lie. I said, I'll send you this article. Uh, It was a study done by AMA, who's not our friend, American Medical Association, that actually says that there's doctors that train the nurses to say that, and the nurses truly believe it, even though it's not true, right? So I said, we're leaving. She goes, okay, well, I'm going to need you to sign these against medical advice, these AMA um, documents. So I said, all right, we'll sign whatever. So I figure if it's real dangerous, right, they're going to come back with a custom written order by each doctor. It says, William should not leave because he has uh, this, he has that. There was a uh, GBS, there was meconium. Uh, You figure with Maggie, it would say, well, she had an epidural. She had Pitocin. She might have had an infection. We want to monitor her. No, they come back with two identical forms one for William and one for Maggie. That's just a liability form, one page. It says, we're leaving against medical advice, basically. So we sign those. And then uh, I talk to a lady down in the front or whatever, and they're going to give you this. certificate of live birth it's actually like uh it's not the birth certificate but it's proof that the baby was uh born right so i talked to her and she says to me okay we're gonna get the social security number i said i don't want the social security number she goes oh well then we can't give you a birth certificate i said okay you're gonna just give me the form that has the information on it but i don't want the social security number this is the same way i was going to do it through the midwives uh This is your right, folks. You don't have to get a social security number for your kid, just so you know this. Now, at some point, your kid may want one or need one. Okay, you can always get one from the Social Security Department. But if we, let's say, decide to live in uh, Poland or whatever, if that decide in the next couple of years, if we decide that's going to be our home, why should I tag my kid with the Social Security number, which really comes back all the way to the Technocracy Incorporated documents with the number they were uh, setting up to assign people under the energy certificate system of government? which was written about 1933 and then we started giving out social security numbers in 1936 under fdr and i told you in future uh and sorry in past episodes that fdr's new deal i believe was the beginning of implementing technocracy policy so i didn't want the social security numbers. so anyway i end up telling him Uh, We don't want that. So they end up sending us up the certificate. There was like proof of birth. Didn't have to get the social security number. And uh, we pack up the stuff. As soon as you sign those forms, that nurse Rebecca is like ready to rock and roll because it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. I said to Rebecca, all right, We talked to the doctors. What we're going to do is we're going to wait two more hours till it gets dark. I want to see if Maggie or William gets sick because darkness sometimes brings sickness. And that way, if they don't, I'll be real comfortable on scooping them up and getting them out of here. And so she goes, no, let's do it right now before my shift change ends. That's how fast it works. Once you say you're going to leave. And I think in part was because Rebecca, I don't know this for sure, but I think Rebecca knew that we really wanted to get out of there. Rebecca knew that there was nothing wrong with Maggie and nothing wrong with the baby and if a shift change came and they got a more difficult nurse in there or the doctors tried to hold us there or call CPS or something Rebecca kind of whisked us out of there. So we loaded up the carts, we got the hell out of there. So William was born at 7:12 a.m. and I got Maggie and him out of the hospital by 4. We could have been stuck there for days if I didn't know our rights, if I didn't know how to weigh risk uh and all of these other things. So So a couple of days ago, I went down to the Frederick Health Department. I brought that piece of paper, and I got him a birth certificate without having to get a social security number. So he's not stamped with the mark of the beast yet, ladies and gentlemen. He is a free man, and we are happy. Maggie is So uh, proud of herself for having gone into labor on her own, for having fought it out here for almost 48 hours, for giving vaginal birth at the hospital, and for us getting our baby out of there without it being taken away. So again, this is a story of adversity, uh, overcoming adversity, having to change course, having to weigh risk in real time. But having to be well-researched and well-educated on these topics, understanding your patient rights, understanding informed consent, building a team of folks around you who can give you advice people that are not just yes men or no men but people who have different opinions different experiences different skills and that's what we did and because we did that we ended up where we are today where we have our heads held high we lost some battles but we won the biggest battle of all maggie is upstairs she is healthy william is healthy He is breastfeeding, I don't know, 12 times a day. This kid wants to be seven feet tall, I think. But we're lucky that he latches. Uh, He loves to drink. I call it the boob fae, the two-for-one special, because he likes each one for, like, a long time, folks. He's just hogging those breasts, ladies and gentlemen. But, no, it's great. And uh, we've made a lot of friends throughout this process. And I have to tell you, Uh, between my sister's friends uh, that I became friends with when I first moved here to Frederick to all the people I met working in and out of the grocery stores when I was doing gig work here for the first year and a half. Uh, Friends I made in the stores, friends I made through Instacart, uh, through the farms that we buy food from, the people that we made friends with through there, through the YMCA, the old folks that we're friends with, through our midwifery team, through some of the clients of the midwives and people we met in our birth class to people we met through our doula it has been such an amazing experience and then being able to start this show uh, a few months ago and seeing hundreds of emails come pouring in during this process it was the most humbling experience of my life that in just uh less than two years folks i went from being in a divorce leaving our business to my ex-wife walking away with almost nothing just to get my freedom moving from Tennessee to Maryland having the support of uh, my family obviously but then meeting someone new and building a whole community of people around us who were there to support us and to uh, cheer us on and people that we've gone hiking and camping with and just building a big network. It's the most amazing feeling. In the world. And thank you to all of you for listening to me blab about technocracy and transhumanism and natural life and living one foot in and one foot out of the matrix and telling this story, sharing my personal experiences with you so I can hopefully help you make better decisions for yourself so that you can start to figure out how to insulate yourself from this terrible prison planet matrix system we find ourselves in. In folks, but there is hope. I am someone who was able to turn my situation around. I don't give up. I always fight. I will overcome adversity every single time. And I know you will too. The situation that we face in the coming years. With technocracy and transhumanism and central bank digital currency and the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial Revolution and the New World Order and all of this stuff that we face, you can overcome it just like I can overcome it. I know you can. You wouldn't be listening to this show if you could not overcome it. You are seeking the truth. That is the first step in this process. And now it's being open and honest with yourself looking yourself in the mirror, writing down your current list of options, and then deciding which of those you need to go to work on to turn those options into better options. That's how we approached this midwife home birth process. And in the end, you see, it wasn't exactly what we wanted. But because Maggie and I researched and we educated ourselves and we planned and we surrounded ourselves with intelligent people, like minded folks who weren't going to just tell us yes, but sometimes tell us no when we were facing these difficult decisions. We ended up in a position where we won. We won because we have a healthy little boy, we won because we now have a family. We won because we love each other and we got through this. And I know as we move forward into this technocracy, we can get through this. We're going to be talking a lot about solutions on this show. We have to overcome this adversity. We must never give up. We must never let these bad guys win. We will remain free, we will remain prosperous. We will remain natural and we will remain human. Never, ever let these people win because they want to engineer humanity Out of existence ladies and gentlemen i thank you very much for listening to this Uh, i wasn't sure how i was going to present this information it's all very personal to me but eventually my son will listen to this show so i told the truth i was transparent and i hope you got something out of this ladies and gentlemen good luck fighting the rockefeller medical complex we survived i know you can too i love you all i love my son william and i love my wife Magdalena. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion.